Truth Espresso, episode 188. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, and welcome to an episode of Truth Espresso. I am your host, Daniel Minnick, along with my sweet and beautiful wife and co-host, Chelsea. And we're going to take a break from the insanity of the news of the <laughs> age of, that we currently live in and just dig into the Word of God. We're going to talk about some of the names of Jesus and God and how they help us, you know, through life, how God, how Jesus, what they mean to us and what they provide for us. And there's quite a few names in the Bible to see God isn't just the man upstairs. And that's what the Bible tells us. He's so much more. (laughs) Are you ready to dig into the Word of God and uh, talk about some really cool names, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about this episode. Yeah. Although you forgot to greet our friends, foes, and lurkers. Well, like. uh, <laughs> well there you go. Thanks for doing <laughs> that, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll let you do that. Maybe someday you'll introduce the episode. <laughs> uh, no, that's okay. <laughs> Maybe give the episode number. <laughs> That's all I can do that you have me do this part. You're so cute. (laughs) So... Let's see. So Chelsea and I are going to go kind of back and forth introducing names because both of us looked up some names just to see what we would come up with. And now we're going to present them. And so we'll kind of go back and forth to get a little bit of, you know, some collaboration on this. And I know likely if you're a Christian for any length of time, you've probably seen these names, but we have a tendency as we're reading through the Bible to kind of gloss over some of these names and really not just reflect on what they mean to us, what they imply for the relationship that Jesus would have with us. And so that's what we hope that this episode will do. And so, the first name that I would like to bring to the table here is where Jesus is called the Amen. Now, often when we pray, we will start with, Dear Heavenly Father, or something, and then say, In Jesus' name, Amen. A few years ago, there was some politician who said, Amen and a woman. He misunderstood, you know, that's not what it means. It's not saying a adult human male here. (laughs) It's basically a Hebrew word into Greek, uh, I believe. (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong there off the top of my head, but other words, you know what amen in the Greek is, sweetheart? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, it's a it's a transliteration of a Greek word here. <laughs> and so the verse where Jesus is called the Amen is Revelation 3:14. 
And so this is the passage, this is the part of the book of Revelation where um, Jesus is sending messages to the messengers or the angels or the pastors of the seven churches. So Revelation 3.14 says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Yeah, so what does Amen mean? It's more than just a word that we put at the end of prayers. It's more than just shouting Amen when you hear something you like. Uh, There's a, a meaning that we might often forget. And the word Amen from the Greek means basically firm or it's a surety or as an imperative, it's basically to say, so be it, let it be so. So as you say to something, amen, you, you're proclaiming the truthfulness of it or let it be true. <laughs> and so I think that's pretty cool to have a name for Jesus to be the amen, the one who lets things or makes things be true. That reminds me of Jesus in John 14, verse 7. 14, 6. <laughs> I'm trying to remember exactly. Um, you know, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then based on that says, no one comes to the Father but by me. He's declaring a statement of absolute truth because he is the truth. And so as he writes to the church of the Laodiceans, he has something to say to them. And these things says the Amen, the one who is truth, the one who makes things true, the one who will bring it to pass. That's a really cool name to bring up and reflect on because it's one that you don't really Hmm. associate with the name of Jesus. Yeah. And (laughs) how often, like you mentioned, that we use that in our prayers when we conclude and that we don't really reflect on (laughs) what it means and just the depth of one word like that and that it can bring just i don't know i think it brings almost a peace about oh, it yeah when for you sure yeah. think about the meanings and the words that we say and <laughs> yeah because as christians where jesus is our lord and savior we have the confidence in him because of who he is and what he has done and so to think of him as the amen it's like he is the basis of everything he is the one whom we can trust he isn't trying and possibly failing he is the one who will come will conquer has secured our salvation we can bank on it (laughs) you know unlike say other religions where you might have oh we honor and serve this mighty warrior who yeah he had some success early on but eventually here was his fatal flaw or like achilles's heel or something like that you know jesus is not like that he's not just gooder than others (laughs) he's not like whoa he was good but yeah unfortunately you know we all make mistakes and eventually he you know met his match or he met his fate and yeah we can celebrate the hero or (laughs) yeah But Jesus is the ultimate, just like he's also called the word of God, you know, basically just like God spoke, the world was framed by the word of the Lord, as Hebrews 11 says, it's kind of that idea, the speech of God, the command of God to create and bring about truth, the power there, Jesus is the amen. 
Castle Rock Women's Health is a pro-women and pro-life clinic and ministry serving women of all ages and backgrounds in the community of Castle Rock, Colorado and the surrounding areas. Castle Rock Women's Health offers well women care, prenatal care, extended postpartum care, licensed clinical Christian counseling, fertility awareness, hormone therapy, childbirth classes, STI testing and treatment, ultrasounds, and even the abortion pill reversal. Castle Rock Women's Health uses your generosity to offer services at little to no cost for many women in situations where insurance is not available. But Castle Rock Women's Health needs your help. To serve women better in the community, Castle Rock Women's Health is looking to move into a new office. Please consider a charitable donation to help Castle Rock Women's Health offer life-affirming care and reach more women with the love of Jesus Christ by going to givesendgo.com forward slash CRWH. That's givesendgo.com forward slash CRWH and be a blessing to women in need. For more information about Castle Rock Women's Health, please visit our website at crwomenshealth.com. Thank you so much. I don't know if you know this, but there's plenty of times in the Gospels where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. And did you know that the word for truly, truly is the word amen? So he's basically saying, amen, amen, I say to you. And that's pretty powerful there because I think Jesus is the amen and he's telling us surely, truly, amen, you know, I say to you. So, yeah, as I said before, you can bet on it. You can bank on it. This is truth. You know, this is our firm foundation. <laughs> so the name I was going to bring up, I think I'll save for later. Just, <laughs> I think this one kind of follows what you're talking about. So the one that I wrote down for Jesus' name is truth. Oh, but yeah. I actually liked the verse that you mentioned better, yeah. that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, oh, John fourteen six. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not verse 7. I mean, yeah, <laughs> verse 6. Now I remember for sure. It's verse 6. I can amen that one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But the reference I had for that was John 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Mm, yeah. And I just love that Jesus represents truth, mm. and that is something like we've talked about over these last episodes about how so many people are deceived and they don't understand what is truth. Dan. Mm don't yeah. understand what's right and wrong. And I think that is just a comfort and, again, a foundation that you know Jesus Christ is truth mm, and yeah. that he represents all that is true. And I think that's just so encouraging when we see so many things that are not truthful and just evil during these times. I think that yeah. <laughs> going through the different names and characteristics of who Jesus is is so good and encouraging for us Christians and especially during dark times like this that we can know like his name can reach every single person no matter what you're going through and I know we kind of talked about this before like hmm. there's over 200 names give or take depending on how you use the verses to describe who Jesus is but it's so cool that <laughs> there's so many names for Jesus yeah. like so many aspects of who he is 
that he can reach and meet that person wherever they're at. Mm, so if yeah. you're <laughs> down and depressed, then he's your joy. He's your song. If you're mm. struggling with anxiety or fear, then he's your protector and he's your shield and mm. fortress. And yeah. <laughs> I don't, there's like just so many different parts of it that I think it's just, I don't know, in some ways it's like you feel like you're depressed and everything in the world is just falling and not making sense right now and then you start studying through the different names of jesus and then you feel like wow thank you <laughs> that there are so many different aspects of this that you feel like you can call on the name of jesus when you need those different areas of encouragement i guess amen sweetheart <laughs> literally but yeah, <laughs> yeah so as we're talking about the amen there yeah <laughs> One quick thing I want to point out with this passage here, Revelation 3.14, Jesus was addressing this to the church at Laodicea, proclaiming himself as the Amen, the faithful and true witness. So he called the Laodiceans lukewarm, which kind of is in contrast to how he's addressing himself to them. His solid credentials of truth were they're lukewarm. And why are they called lukewarm? He says, I've seen your works, that they're neither hot nor cold, and how they have kind of caught up in the wealth and stuff of the world. So a hot mineral spring flowed into Laodicea, but by the time the water was in Laodicea, it was lukewarm. So basically, hey, there's a hot mineral spring, but it's not very pleasant when it gets to Laodicea. And, and so he says, you're neither hot nor cold. I will spew thee out of your mouth. Think about both hot and cold water have their uses. So cold water can quench thirst in a desert. Hot water can sterilize or be useful for bathing or relaxing, you know, but lukewarm is practically worthless. You know, lukewarm, it allows like microbes to grow in it. it. It would make the drinker hurl, you know, I will spew it out of my mouth. It's not very comfortable for bathing either. So the Laodiceans started with the truth, just kind of like that spring. It starts off as hot water, but as it flows and as it moves through the world, basically it starts to get lukewarm. And so the Laodiceans started with the truth, but they allowed it to become diluted with compromise and focus on their wealth. And so I think that's the geography of there, Jesus makes an adequate picture of who these people were, how they became, and in contrast, you know, when you compromise with the world and you try to make the world the filter of proclaiming the truth, Jesus tells them, basically in criticism, I am the Amen, the faithful and true witness. You know, truth matters. Well, that's a cool picture, too. I like how you mentioned that the Laodiceans were filtering things through like the view or the lens of the world mm. and instead the bible tells us we need to view things through god's word and okay that makes sense because if jesus is truth if he is what is true then you want to filter through that through what is truth and if the world is decept deceive deceptive 
deceptive things. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying deceitful. To, I, uh, <laughs> I'm combining deceptive and deceitful. <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't talk today. Oh. Okay, yeah. So the world is deceptive. And if you view things through the world's lens, then of course you're going to be lost and without hope and confused in what we see in the world around us right now. So, yeah, I liked how you described mm. that picture there. <laughs> yeah, I like how Jesus will bring up, you know, the surroundings of things as an object lesson. We see that often in the Gospels. And then even in the Revelation, when Jesus is addressing churches, you know, you have that reality. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a name to bring up, sweetheart? <laughs> All right, so the first name that I really liked and kind of jumped out at me going through the list of different names and studying it, I liked that it said he was our advocate. Mm, yeah. And I know you jotted this one down oh, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, because we were both working independently on a list of names, but this is one that we both ended up kind of writing down. But yeah, it's pretty cool. So we both might have something good to say about this. <laughs> So the reference for Jesus being our advocate is 1 John 2, 1, and it says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And I just love that he, I mean, this is one of those verses where it's like, Okay, God is for us. Mm. He is our advocate. He goes before the Father for mm. us on our behalf. And I think that's something that is just so monumental in the Christian faith in compared mm. to other religions is that other religions, they don't have a person or anything that can be their advocate mm. and actually go before God, yeah. the Father, and say, mm. look, I paid for their sins mm. and, you know, that we're forgiven. <laughs> I just think that's so yeah. awesome that Jesus loves us so much. In that verse, I love how he starts off with my little children. <laughs> yeah, It's like, Okay. Yeah, John is it can address them as my little children because of who Jesus is. <laughs> yeah, and it's like he calls us his children, like we belong to him. And I think that is something that's just amazing to see in this verse and just thinking about how Jesus is our advocate. He is there to stand up for us. And I think that that's also an encouragement for us when we think about some of the craziness that goes on and you're like, all right, well, who's going to stand up for us if <laughs> something happens? And I mean, it can cause a lot of fear, but when you think about, okay, ultimately, we belong to God. We're his children. Mm. And Jesus even says that he is going to be our advocate before the Father. And mm. I just think that is just a beautiful picture <laughs> yeah, to think of. <laughs> definitely. So you are. And yeah, as you mentioned, like other religions don't really provide <laughs> uh, the advocate that we have with Jesus Christ. Like you think of the Old Testament, you know, basically Judaism there. It's like, okay, your advocates were the prophets and the priests, you know, and but they're not perfect. And the priest walks into the Holy of Holies and you hope that he does everything right, you know, for the Day of Atonement. Uh, the prophets, you know, Jonah is an example of someone who didn't do the right thing. And, you know, like there's examples of prophets and priests and kings who were judged by God. And 
I think of any works-based religion, it's like, okay, no one could be your substitute. It's the scales. You know, think of Islam, where it's Allah weighs your good works and your bad works by the scales, and there's a lot of partiality in how Allah judges people. Where, you know, it seems like some people in Islam, it's you would think, okay, they're going to make it and then they're judged for the slightest little thing. And then you have a, a hadith where someone believes he's not going to make it, but because he said the shahada, that gets put on the scale and it outweighs all his bad works. And, you know, it's like... Where's the certainty there? Muhammad himself kind of becomes somewhat of an advocate in Muslim eschatology where he has to pray for Muslims who are in the fire. Yeah, so it's kind of like, okay, you're a faithful Muslim. You could still end up in the fire and then be there for a while and Muhammad has to pray you out of it and, you know, stuff like that and you don't know if Allah is going to accept Muhammad's plea in your behalf <laughs> but Jesus is the advocate and we think of advocates today what is an advocate today you know what's the modern profession that we might call the advocate what is an advocate that's being referenced here kind of in a court setting <laughs> yeah i was going to say like a lawyer <laughs> yeah a lawyer now today lawyers are very crooked and unrighteous you know people hire them because they can lie convincingly and yet jesus his lawyering is based on truth you know mm -hmm. as an advocate with the father lawyers try to get someone off the hook by twisting the law but jesus upholds the law perfectly and advocates for what he himself has done in righteousness on our behalf and so there's complete truth there that's the kind of lawyer I want. That's the kind of advocate that anyone should want. <laughs> the next name that I have is the Lamb. Now, this one is, mm. yeah, this one's pretty interesting because it goes to the core of the revelation of Jesus via the Gospels, via his person and work. And we think it's it's pretty interesting because if you look at other religions, they're not going to pick a lamb <laughs> to represent the hero. <laughs> yeah. So I have a few verses that kind of show the full scope of Jesus as the lamb. In John one twenty nine, this is John the Baptist. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So that's the role of Jesus being the sacrificial lamb, the final mm -hmm. Passover lamb. But Jesus as the lamb in the Bible is kind of multifaceted there. A lamb is a docile creature, you know, often in some ways called dumb, you know, <laughs> as a, in Isaiah 53 about as silent or dumb as a sheep before his shears is kind of walking unbeknownst to him what's going to befall it, just trusting in the leader there, but... So I have to <laughs> mention that funny sheep video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That definitely. one of our kids she, love yeah. to watch oh, yeah. over and over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a sheep accidentally falls into a ditch headfirst mm. and is struggling to get out. So one of the shepherds that comes and pulls them out 
and you see the lamb running off and then he jumps right back into the ditch just <laughs> further down the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of the dainty, docile nature of sheep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And our kids think that is the most hilarious thing ever and we'll watch it over and over. <laughs> but it's interesting about how God says how he is the lamb mm. and he's also the good shepherd. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and for sure. Like how he calls us his mm. sheep. And mm. I mean, we definitely tend to act like that sheep in that mm. video where God rescues us. He's the good shepherd. He pulls us out of our mess and mm. helps us kind of get back on our feet and start going. And then zoop, we veer off the path and we end up in the ditch again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I think that's so cool how he's like the lamb, like the sacrificial lamb, the one that, like you said, takes away the sin of the world. And yet he's our good shepherd too. Like he tends for us. He cares for us Mm. and watches out for us. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool to think about that Jesus has both the role of sheep, you know, the ultimate sheep and the ultimate shepherd yeah. <laughs> for both for, for similar reasons. <laughs> it's also cool to note, you know, I didn't put this in my notes, but is it first Peter, I'm trying to remember the reference first Peter five, I think referring to the elders whom I'm also an elder feed the flock of God. And then he says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you know, referring mm-hmm. to Jesus, he's the chief shepherd, mm-hmm. the highest shepherd. But then you also think of Psalm 23, where David says, Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not lack, you know, mm-hmm. so kind of <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. What does that say about Jesus? But <laughs> <laughs> the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the, the lamb of God. <laughs> I also have a few more verses about the lamb. <laughs> All from Revelation, it kind of shows the multifaceted, the full scope of who this lamb is, because he was the one who takes away the sin of the world. Now, Revelation 5, 6, John says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. So you have a lamb standing in the midst of the throne and before the Father as if he had been slain kind of like a gruesome picture there but also a proclamation of his authority because revelation progresses with this picture of the lamb <laughs> um, revelation six sixteen is referring to the outpouring of god's wrath on people it says and they said to the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb <laughs> now i don't know about you but i've never seen a lamb that i'd be like worried about his glare at me <laughs> you know <laughs> maybe a ram but not a lamb you know <laughs> like the idea of a lamb is you know it's a docile creature needing a shepherd but the wrath of the lamb that's a pretty you know interesting picture we see in the bible but this lamb is basically sitting on the throne of the father you know what they say always be leery of the quiet ones (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you have this lamb as if he'd been slain, and yet he's sitting in authority and raining judgment on people that they want the rocks and mountains to hide them from the wrath of the lamb. You know, <laughs> mm. that's a very interesting picture. That I don't think you'd see that in any religious text of any other religion, <laughs> but it makes sense when you consider the full picture of who Jesus is. And we see Revelation 22, 3, it says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Now, because of what this Lamb has done, because he's slain, and and he has ultimate authority with the Father there, there shall be no more curse because of the Lamb. (laughs) That's quite a Lamb. (laughs) Now, sweetheart, you have another name to bring up? (laughs) (laughs) I keep going back and forth of which one I should bring up next. Okay. Just pull one out of the bag. (laughs) I know. The one that I was trying to make it fit a little bit with yours. So the next one I'll bring up is life. That Jesus represents life. And... I know our John oh, 14, six. 14, six verse mentions that he's life in that one. But I was looking at another reference to Colossians 3, verse 4. It says, when Christ, who is our life, shall mm. appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mm. And I think that, <laughs> I mean, just talking about who the lamb is, yeah. he was a sacrificial lamb to give us life Mm. and now we have life through jesus christ Mm. like not just life on earth but we have life eternal because of what he did as the sacrificial lamb and i think just um in such a pro-death world and way of thinking nowadays i mean it's just mind-blowing all the Mm. movies video games songs all these different things that are teaching our young kids, teaching us adults, just like death is something to almost worship mm. and almost like long for in some ways. Mm. But Jesus tells us that he is life. Mm. And I think that's so important that we speak life, we speak truth, we speak about who Jesus is mm. because we have got to do something different than mm. what we're doing right now because. Yeah the world is just so dark right now and i think that these names again just help bring our focus back to who jesus is what he says and you know your very first word that what he says is true he is going to see this through yeah good thoughts there sweetheart as i didn't put in my notes but whatever the verses i have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly like mm. you know it's like okay he didn't just come to like put us back together from the dead like we're a frankenstein's monster or something you know he came to bring us life and that we might have it to its fullest in resurrection and glory there and so yeah Jesus conquered death. Jesus took on the ultimate death so that he conquers it as the lamb and then raised from the dead. And that's very important part of the message of the New Testament about the resurrection from the dead through Jesus Christ, that because of that, he's the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead, that by that, he will have many children, you know, in that life there. So he brings life via the resurrection and 
think what an incredible hope that we have as Christians compared to this world. So we are, we were talking a little bit earlier about the example of our kids talking about the creation and how there's just so much to prove that God created everything because there's so much that just couldn't have happened by chance. All the factors necessary for life to be on the earth <laughs> that, you know, how could that be an accident? The odds are not in the favor there. <laughs> and then, you know, I mentioned the time months ago, William Shatner was one of those privileged who got to have that up and down space flight there. And then when he came back, he was very nervous about what he saw because he just went up to outer space there above the atmosphere there. And he was terrified. He's asked, is this death? You know, it's just blackness and death. And when he came back to earth, people were asking him kind of like, wow, you know, what was it like? They're thinking he would just be saying this is a marvelous, wonderful experience, but he was terrified almost as if he regretted he saw too much. And he mm-hmm. described the atmosphere of the earth as like this thin little blanket covering the earth that he thought was like so fragile, the slightest little thing. We've got to get our act together. We've got to make sure we don't destroy the earth. You know? <laughs> Yet, when we see the truth of God, we see the truth that God is creator, we see the truth of who Jesus Christ is, instead of thinking everything's death, you know, we don't look at outer space and think it's death. Um, We see life from the creator and we don't just kill babies in the womb for our own convenience, trying to hold on to the little breath of life that we have, fighting against other people to make sure we can survive and be fulfilled. (laughs) Tragedy of the commons there, you know, as Christians, we sacrificed for life and we recognize that Jesus is the one who gives life, and as Jesus said, those who forfeit their life, you know, for the things of this world. <laughs> those who try to save their life will lose it, but those who, <laughs> I forget exactly what it says, you know, for some reason, I mean, mine's gone blank on that, um, who would lose his own soul, you know, what I'm talking about, so we are. <laughs> yeah. So the idea that if you're so focused on the material things of this world for the sake of your life, you're going to lose it. But if you're willing to lose your life, you save it. <laughs> so Matthew 16, yeah, 26. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what, or shall, what I mean? shall a man give in exchange for his soul? <laughs> and yeah, with Jesus as life, you know, we can look at, you know, all the things that give us worldly comfort and realize that's not where my life is. I have the life from Jesus via the resurrection. And we know that the love of the truth, the sacrifices we make on serving Jesus, serving others, they count for the eternal life that we have. It's not a tragedy tragedy of the commons that we have to fight tooth and nail to hold on to the you know vapor of life that we have and look at others with indifference saying sorry mine my precious you know i've got to get as much out of life as i can and sorry you you know you lose out because we got to fight tooth and nail against each other you know and not being able to explain how they have their life in the first place <laughs> 
I speak to parents all the time who come up to me and they see what's happening, but they don't know what to do. And I just want to stand up and say, you can do this. Here is a solution. This is Yvette Hampton, host of the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Join us each week for a new episode as we offer encouragement and resources on biblical discipleship from popular speakers and authors, as well as parents just like you and me. Find out more at schoolhouserocked.com or listen anywhere you find your favorite podcast. So that actually makes me think of a question for you about, okay, so if Jesus is life and he gives life, then how are we like in a place of authority to determine whose life has more value mm. or not? Because I would think that Jesus is the one that's mm. in yeah. that place to ascribe value. And he says all human life is valuable. Yeah. Like if he is life, wouldn't mm. he have the authority to say life is valuable and not us as <laughs> mere humans? Yeah. Exactly. Genesis 9, 6. Who sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he him. And it's not saying, well, figure out which life is more valuable than the others, which one has more right to life than others. It's like, because you're created in the image of God. That's why you have value. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, what color your skin is. <laughs> you don't kill other people. You don't determine that some lives are more equal than others, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus says he gives life to whom he will. <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking even with the track down implementing genocide, mm. and especially with the elderly people and how they're like, oh, they're such a drain mm. on our society yeah. because we have to help them sustain their life. Mm. And it's like, okay, but if Jesus Christ is life, then he's the one that says they're valuable, they are still living, and we should do what we can to help support them with that. It was never given to us to say, oh, you're a drain on society and we're going to just get rid of you. Like, and that also with the politics of the world, that kind of goes into ultimately the discussions of how they determine human authorities and experts and systems and stuff like that, collectivization, you know, that kind of thing, um, where people then reason, okay, first we have to figure out a system of managing resources, and then once we do that, then we've determined who has a right to them and stuff like that, yeah. And thankfully, God's not like that. <laughs> so is that because, okay, so if Jesus is life, if people don't respect or understand who Jesus is or, you know, acknowledge who Jesus Christ is, then they're not going to respect life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm. Thanks. <laughs> That's part well. of the message that we have when we bring Jesus Christ to the world. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to get into the depressing stuff too much, but it just makes me start thinking about some of that. And yeah, well, wow. it helps to see the light shines brighter in the midst of the darkness. Okay, ready for the pop quiz? Oh, you brought one to this one too. I did. <laughs> I can't let the listeners down. Okay, so since we're talking about the names of Jesus... Mm. Do you know approximately how many times the name Jesus is mentioned in the New Testament? <laughs> oh, wow. I'm going to be really off on this if I try <laughs> to guess. The name Jesus. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is going to be pretty far off, but <laughs> let me guess about 500. 
That's a pretty good guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually close to a thousand. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I was about 50%. <laughs> now I was going to say a thousand, but I was like, I didn't want to go too high Aww. with it. So I'll, I'll have that and say 500. But <laughs> That's a good guess though. Cause yeah, I definitely put you on the spot with that one. <laughs> and then another one leading mm. up with that. Okay. So there is one book in the New Testament that does not mention the name of Jesus. Do you in know what the New that Testament? Book is? Yes. One book in the New Testament. It's a Let's very see. tiny short book. <laughs> okay. Obadiah. I mean, no, wait, sir. No. Um, uh, New uh, Testament. Yeah. Um, Philemon, a small book. Oh, then doesn't mention the name of Jesus. Correct. <laughs> Third John. Yeah, okay. you're so cute. <laughs> As you show three fingers, and that gave <laughs> gave somewhat. Well, there's a third uh, Luke, isn't there? No, it's kidding. There's a <laughs> oh my goodness. There's a third Peter. No. <laughs> okay, third John. Third John yeah. does not mention the name of Jesus. Oh, uh, okay. It mentions God. So. Mostly, yeah. All I could remember, and uh, like, I, first I was the, trying to think of Philemon, and I like, wait, I said Obadiah when I was thinking of Onesimus, you know, mm-hmm. but like not Obadiah, like a small book. Okay, I remembered that, of course, in the Old Testament, the book of Esther doesn't say anything about God, yeah. you know, and there were some early church fathers that actually thought maybe Esther isn't inspired because of that, but... But then, like, okay, New Testament book that doesn't mention Jesus, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, got, good job got, on the trivia. Uh, but I got both of them wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> Until you helped me there. But <laughs> You're not supposed to say I'm helping you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm. Well, good job, babe. That's fun. <laughs> thanks for being a sport about being put on the spot <laughs> well thanks for enlightening me sweetheart I learn something new every day <laughs> okay ready for the next name yes let's see the next one i have is the lord of glory now this mm. one's maybe here's a quiz for you sweetheart <laughs> oh no <laughs> do you know where jesus is referred to as the lord of glory you know what book what epistle that is hmm. <laughs> do you know who wrote it <laughs> all right paul yeah um so the verse you know about if the princes of this world had known they would not have crucified uh, the lord of glory <laughs> is that philippians no oh it's before the prison epistles but <laughs> okay i don't remember oh, i think it's first corinthians oh. 2 7 so you have that, but there's actually one other verse where Jesus is referred to as the Lord of glory. And I didn't know that until I looked this up. Ah, and, so what verse is that? And it's actually not Paul who said it, it was James. Ah. So James 2, 1, it says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. <laughs> <laughs> so James and Paul refer to Jesus as the Lord of glory. I think that's an interesting title. And it's like every time I read 1 Corinthians 2 7, it's just like it's hard for the brain to process. You know, I mean, I know we can gloss over it, but just really looking into crucified, the Lord of glory, mm. <laughs> put to death as a criminal, the Lord of glory, you know, gruesome death, 
the Lord of glory. You know, like what other religion besides Christianity could even say such a thing? You know, mm. <laughs> like yeah. it's an amazing statement. And of course, during the Christological debates in the early church, that's one of those verses that shows what's called the communicatio idiomatum. Like, you know, it's a phrase to refer to the idea that it transfers both the divinity and the humanity there. So crucified entails humanity, but mm-hmm. Lord of glory entails humanity. You know, it's like, okay, you Me, have it. <laughs> yeah, demonstrating who he is according to both natures there. Then, okay, so we have a passage from Psalm So Psalm 28, verses 7 through 8, it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, or Yahweh, strong and mighty. Yahweh, mighty in battle. So we have the King of glory. Lord and King, kind of the same thing in this kind of thing. So Jesus, the crucified one, is the Lord of glory. (laughs) Like, it just totally floors me to think of that. Mm. (laughs) How can you crucify the Lord of glory? But it's absolutely the essence of the gospel that the Lord of glory was crucified. And and it seems like that could be a, a reference back to Psalms here showing that Yahweh is the king of glory who shall come in. (laughs) And he's the Lord mighty in battle. Jesus comes in Revelation riding on the white horse, you know, the battle at the end, you know, that kind of thing. But <laughs> so, yeah, mm. that's a interesting study there. <laughs> the Lord of glory. It's quite an amazing name for Jesus there. <laughs> yeah. So, sweetheart, do you have a final name? Yeah, I'll share <laughs> one more for this episode that I think is just encouraging. I have the name Faithful and True. <laughs> oh, nice. And I know we kind of mentioned this one earlier. So it's from Revelation 19.11. It says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's quite the statement. (laughs) You'd think that the name of the one sitting on the white horse who's going to wage war would be like something else. Yeah, the conqueror, the mighty warrior, you know, (laughs) the faithful and true. But yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I just love that Jesus like encompasses faithfulness and truth and that a lot of times we can feel like defeated or inadequate because we are not perfect and we fail and but knowing that Jesus Christ who we have our hope and our salvation and our life and that he is faithful and he is true and he will see it done. And I think that's just so comforting, encouraging, and helps us as Christians as we go about our lives. And hopefully this will be an encouragement to our listeners this next week that we have a God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, because he loved us so much. And just in the name of Jesus, we have so many different characteristics here that we can have hope, we can have life, we know truth, and Mm. we know comfort, we know peace. Like, there's so much to who Jesus is. Mm. And I know you and I have (laughs) 
both had this song kind of go through our heads recently. Um, it's what a beautiful name it is. And just thinking about Jesus Christ, our Lord, and just the different aspects of his name and who he is and just how beautiful that is and how it's just encouraging for us as Christians to reflect on that. Amen. So you are <laughs> one of the names of Jesus right there. Yes. <laughs> so this will conclude our episode for this week. And I think we have a few more names that we'll bring up for the next episode. So stay tuned and listen to Truth Espresso next week. And thank you for joining us. And we pray that you have a blessed week. Amen, sweetheart. <laughs> Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey, friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.